Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Showbound podcast presented by Axel Watches. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here alongside Ethan Cardwell, as always. Cardsy, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Um, I actually fixed up my mic. I uh, apologize, first and foremost, for my audio last week. I'm hoping it sounds better this week. Rask said it sounds much better, so that's a positive. Um, just been golfing and training like normal, and uh, I know you got some big news that came from the golf course the past few days, so why don't you yeah. tell the listeners? Well, my day was like yours, like your typical day. I had the morning workout, then I went to play play 18 on a nice course, and then uh, I was on the ice after that, so I was kind of feeling like you there, but yeah, I had the round of my life. I shot 89. Um, it was insane. I mean, the listeners know I'm not the best golfer. I'm not bad, but you know, four pars to start the round in a row. And uh, it was just, I was feeling it early and I just, I only had like, I think I had like two double bogeys and that was it. Like no triples. I had mostly like bogeys and pars. It was, it was pretty legit. That, that's a legit round. So I give you kudos to that. A couple clicks as uh, Jenks gives them later on in the episode uh, for that round. But that's exciting, man. And I'm uh, looking forward to us getting out. I think uh, it's not going to be this week, but hopefully next week we'll get the uh, get our round in with Fets and Byfield and we'll get that rolling. So everyone stay tuned for that. That'll be a big one, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just been hanging out. Obviously, there's a lot of rain, but Canada Day this weekend and uh, second dosed up so the boys can have a little bit more fun with people who have second doses which is a little bit more exciting and uh gives us a little bit more life i guess right yeah and we are talking about doing an in-person podcast like an interview so that could be in the works we'll find a local guy and could maybe do that yeah stay tuned that would be pretty cool and maybe we even did one like live we could like film it live and then edit it make it sound better for like the more listeners or something like that but we'll situate something like that down yeah, the road definitely, I like definitely that idea. stay tuned for that so i i got a funny one like funny thing i just want to bring up from this week and it's funny because we talk about with a lot of the guys who come on playing pro the, the cooking like that's kind of a theme we we have a lot about you know people struggling to cook or like uber eating all their meals and stuff so um a former Brock hockey player who I'm, who like I'm good friends with. He's not playing hockey anymore. He's a real estate agent, really successful. Um, he's 27 years old now and uh, like owns three houses himself, like lives on his own, like big, you know, successful real estate agent out in Trenton, actually, where, where you were, Card. And uh, so he calls me just to catch up the other day. And uh, as he's talking to me and he's showing me this beautiful house that he custom built for himself. I'm like, holy crap, like, you really made it, dude. I don't want to say his name just because for this part. But so he he's like, hey, Ross, like one of the reasons I called you, I have this bacon. Uh, it expired two months ago, but I had it in the freezer. Um, like, can I eat it? Or whatever. Like he was making breakfast. I was like, yeah, if, it's, if it was in the freezer, yeah, you could eat it. He's like, OK, but it was in the fridge the last like two weeks. Like, is that still legit? Like, no, no, like, throw it out. If it, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, this guy's now 27 years old. He's been living on his own for years. He's, you know, big, successful real estate agent, and he still doesn't know how to cook. Like, and he's FaceTiming me. Like, I haven't spoken to him in a year. It was the funniest thing. Ross, you've, like, you've made yourself, like, these guys, like, little father figure. Everyone's calling you for advice. And I know Rochi, my good buddy, is going to Brock, and he needs to set up a house, and he's too lazy to call you. And, he, and I'm like, Raskin's going to set you up with a house. So, sure enough, you'll – You'll get a call from Rochi in about 10 years. He'll be like, hey, Rask, is this bagel still good if I peel off the mold a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Just eat around the mold, Rochi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, and uh, okay, we do got to talk about the NHL playoffs. So game one 
happened last night. <clears throat> Tampa looking dominant. What are your thoughts and uh, dare I say predictions? Man, like oh, I actually, I'm sorry. Wait, before I get into it, I have to credit myself because we get so much like hate for our bad predictions. But I called Tampa in seven before the series started against the Islanders, and I was right. So let's go. And wait, hold up for a sec. I called a game last week. The yep. exact score I, was it Tampa? I think I, you called the the one the Islanders won. You called one correct score though. Yeah, I called no. I called the winner and the exact score. Yeah. So and Ras called the series in seven. So. But we're, we're back not, on track. We're, we're, we're hot right now. So I'm going to make a bold, bold prediction. Or not that bold because like a sweep would be bold. But I'm going to say Tampa in five. They're going to win it on home ice with a full crowd. So that's my prediction there. But what do you think? Hmm. Oh, man. Okay. Tampa looks good. And we do have the advantage of seeing a game as we make our predictions. Um, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go Tampa in six. It's just so hard to count out Montreal. Like I, I think they're going to find a way to make it a series and maybe with a, a bigger crowd at home, which I know they've been talking about. I don't know if it, it's going to happen. I, I hope it does, but I'll give, I'll give Montreal two games. Let's go Tampa in six though. Uh, yeah. Axel ambassador, Nick Suzuki's going down there. I know uh, Jay's been pumping his tires on the social media and uh, for good reason. He's been, he's been on fire, but I think, I think Carey Price steals one, maybe two if you're right, but I don't think they can hang. Um, we should mention our guest this week. I'll let you do the intro as you always do. Yeah, we got Blade Jenkins this week, former teammate of Cardsy and New York Islanders prospect. He's playing in Bridgeport in the AHL. So it was a great chat. He's a really good speaker, actually. So I'm excited to get that one out for you guys. Um, it was a pretty entertaining one. And you know what? We could uh, send it over there now. But before we do, I just got to mention that summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the goat of ball trimmers. Yeah, I said it. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball pro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered by 360-degree rotary bl dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. 
Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. And uh, with that being said, let's send it over to Blade Jenkins. All right, and welcome to the pod, Jenks. Super happy to have you on this week. How are things? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. Um, a lot of vaccines coming out in Canada. I know you guys are just flying through and uh, everything's looking great there in, uh, in Michigan. But how's the offseason been going so far? It's good. I mean, the last few weeks to start to kind of get into it and, and kind of starting to ramp stuff up and, and kind of in the, in the midst of the offseason now. So it's just kind of grinding away until you get back into the season. Yeah, and what uh, do you know when you have to go back or report for camp? As of now, we were told September, so like just kind of prepping for then. So hopefully everything uh, happens to go off on time, that's for sure. Okay, and you guys got a decent summer with uh, no playoffs this year in uh, in your division anyway. Uh, you get an extended summer, so that's pretty nice. Um, you've been watching any NHL playoffs? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been pretty exciting to have the fans back in the stands and everything like that. So, like, anytime you can have that, it makes the games way more fun to watch. Like, you could tell – you could tell from like when the first games, like when the Coliseum, like when they were rocking in there, it was like well, against Tampa. It was like, holy cow. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just great to see the fans back in the stands. And I'm sure everyone's really looking forward to it next year. Yeah, it would have been cool, especially with the aisles going that far. I'm sure you were obviously cheering for them, being a part of the organization. And um, for you, how many were there a few guys that got the call after the season? I know Bodes is there, but guys, are there any guys in the lineup that played with you guys this year in Bridgeport? Nobody got into the lineup, but like there we had some, I don't know, probably five to six black aces went down there and, and they were just there hanging out basically. And if anyone ever got hurt or something like that, they'd probably be called up into the lineup there. So, but no one, no one's in the lineup from uh, who got called up. That would have been pretty dirty. Um, I'm just curious. Well, while we're talking about the NHL playoffs, who do you think is going to win the Stanley cup this year, Montreal or Tampa? I got to go with Tampa. They looked pretty good last night. Like, it's tough. They're, <laughs> you look at that lineup from the decor to the offensive core, like their depth's pretty good. So it'll be hard to stop them. Yeah. No, they got it all. They're legit. Um, I kind of want to bring it back. We'll, we'll talk about your career starting from when you were younger in minor hockey. And, you know, you were playing in the Detroit area for the CompuWare. You were a dominant minor hockey player. And I, I know uh, I saw you were committed to Michigan. And I'm just curious, when you were younger, was, well, being from Michigan, was that kind of like the dream? Definitely. Playing at Michigan was always something like I grew up wanting to do and growing up probably about a half hour outside of Ann Arbor and going to all the football games, all the hockey games and, and just seeing how electric like the student sections are and everything like that. And it makes you want to play that college hockey and have that atmosphere. And, and I think that was kind of like the exciting part when committing there and, and growing up wanting to play for Michigan. I think that was kind of what swayed me at the beginning. And then obviously I ended up going to, uh, USA that had in a Saginaw after, but uh, definitely growing up, Michigan was definitely like my my one spot I wanted to go. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm curious, how old were you when you committed? Damn, that was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Now that I think about it, I, was probably, I think I was 13 or 14, somewhere through there. Okay, wow, I'm, that's insane. So yeah. my question Great. is like, when uh, when guys get older, let's say you know in in juniors and they're committing like later on in, in those ages you get the big recruiting tours. They, you know, they ball out take you out to the bar, spend some money, get to see what it's like <laughs> as an athlete. As a 13 year old, 
what's the recruiting process like are, are you just like going for a tour and you're like yeah i want to be here yeah pretty much it's just like at that point like you can't do much really right so you go you meet the coaches a few times and and i know they made the rule now i don't think you can commit till after you get drafted or whatever it is but like you pretty much go meet the coaches a few times and if they like you enough they just kind of offer you you don't really you don't really do like an, an official visit because you're so young like you really maybe <laughs> Yeah, not this 14-year-old kid going to hang out with 20 guys. Like, I don't know how great that would go over. But, but yeah, no, it was pretty it was pretty simple, just meeting with the coaches and going to the game and stuff like that and, until you were ready to commit and they're ready to uh, obviously offer you. So Hey, and Rask, so Jenks goes on his recruitment trip. He's partying with all the uh, seniors at age 14. Then he goes home to a babysitter the next day. <laughs> <laughs> he was that young so um but no after after you committed and everything you played compuware growing up right yeah yeah and then and then you went to the ntdp and we've had a few guys there from now or on the ntdp who've been on the pod now sorry for that uh mouthful words by me there i always butcher that one but uh so you play your first year of like junior with them in the u17s program um with a lot of guys that we know you played with bolds there you played with kinger uh gator and the list goes on but uh, a good group there but uh just didn't seem like the right fit for you take us through that year a little bit and your experience being uh, on the national development team yeah no it was it was awesome it's like i tell everyone it's an experience like like no other you you're traveling all these different countries you're playing all these different teams from different countries and, and then you get to experience a little bit of the junior lifestyle too and and being 16 years old, going into it and kind of having this eye-opening experience of what it's going to take to get to the next level and and all the players across the world and how good they actually are, like really get to see that. And, and it really kind of, it's just an eye-opener. And, and it was great. I think for me, like the big thing, like coming out of there is you see all their players and how big and, and how in shape they are. And I think being a 16 year old going in at 175 pounds or 170 pounds and then coming out at 190, like you're gaining so much weight throughout the year because you're lifting every day and skating and, and doing all that stuff where realistically in juniors at a normal place, like how often are even the gym, like grinding as hard as we were because we had the whole facility and, and it was brand new. So you're in there grinding every day after practice and like it pays dividends because I noticed like towards the end of the year, like, you're, you, you still feel fresh and you're still ready to go towards the end of the year, but it was definitely a great experience and, and all the guys were great and all the, all the staff was awesome. So I think that was uh, the big thing, big thing for me that year. And then obviously just going into like, I was looking at the bigger picture going into SAG and all that next year and, and where it would be to get drafted at the, I don't want to say it in like an area way, but like the highest possible to have the best success stuff further your career and I just felt for me personally Saginaw was the choice there so yeah and the um so playing in the USHL you guys would play against the USHL teams all the time and you're playing guys who are like 20 sometimes 21 and I'm not sure you guys sometimes even play college teams right oh uh, that's like the U18 year so okay. like but then so playing against USHL teams you guys have a full team of 16 year olds how did you guys fare in those leagues playing against the uh, 20 21 year olds when it's all just small young guys it's crazy like you could definitely tell like as the season went on like how everyone kind of like matured because at the beginning of the year I remember we won our first game of the year 
And we were like, we're a wagon. (laughs) (laughs) We're a wagon. And like, and it just did not turn out that way. Like, I don't think, I think we won like maybe two more games in the USHL, like the rest of the game. I'm not hundred percent sure we didn't win much more. And like, you just notice when at that age, when it's a bunch of guys that are 16 years old playing against basically men at that point that are going to be going off to college the next year. Like it's just the physical aspect of it. I think speed and skill, like you're right there. I mean, you're the top, supposedly the top 20 kids in in your birth group. So, I mean, the speed and the skill and everything was there, but you could definitely tell as, as the season went on and how games went on, like the, the physical aspect of it definitely would catch up to us. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, I remember us talking in SAG because obviously you guys would rekindle about your uh, NTDP. That's <laughs> by me there uh, days, but uh, you guys were such a highly touted group. Like there was so much hype about your group in the in the program that year, and then you guys went there and you flunked. And what was that like? <laughs> like, was there a lot of pressure? Was there a lot of hate? Was it like what was the vibe like when when you guys were so highly touted and then just kind of didn't perform up to standard? I mean. I wouldn't say there was a lot of hate in the locker room. It was just more or less like you're young and everyone kind of expects you to struggle that first year. Like you're not expected to go out and like that. Oh, one birth year with like Jack Hughes and those guys, like they went out and they were an, they were an absolute wagon. They set records or whatever. Like they were, I think they almost made the playoffs. Like it was like crazy. And like for our year, we weren't even thinking about that. We were just trying to figure out let's be Cedar Rapids, not place last in the league. <laughs> so and you're not expected. There's not like pressure on you by any means, but other than that, maybe just a little pressure to perform. Obviously your draft year is the next year. And I mean, that's really about it. Like you're not coming from the staff all the way down to us. You're not expected to go in there and dominate. Obviously you want to. And, and definitely it, it was tough at times when you're going through these losing streaks, when you're coming back from a road trip, not winning any games. But at the end of the day, I think we all took it with the green assault and, and kind of move forward from it. And, and at the end of the day, you can't really get worse than that. And you kind of get that feeling of not winning and how much you dislike it. So I think that was kind of the good experience on that part. Yeah. And, and we had Jonesy on a few weeks ago, Max Jones, and he was obviously at the program two years. Yeah. 98. So two years before you. Um, and he said the training was just insane. You touched on like always weightlifting and stuff. And he said you, they were doing like military stuff and it was just like sometimes over overload. And he just said some of it was just ridiculous doing pushups all the time. So do you have any funny stories from training or military combat stuff or anything like that for us? Not a whole lot. Like, like, I don't know if you went through like the top 40 camp with you. Like I was hurt. So like I, like the whole top 40 camp, I hurt my knee and like, and I didn't get to experience like guys freaking wrestling on like mats and they're like full on like fighting each other. And like, everyone's telling me these stories and, and like, I'm sitting in the locker room, like with a freaking ice bag over my knee. And, and I got guys rolling in with blood all over their shirts and everything like that. I'm like, I'm like, do I almost like happy I wasn't in there? Like last thing I need is someone like Matias Samuelson who was six, five and had me, weighing on me by two times like going and beating up on me it's like am I missing out on something or should I be thankful I wasn't in there but and uh but I mean it was we did a lot of boxing and you do these man there was one we had where we were doing sprints and it was like we'd do sprints and there was mats laid out throughout the whole place where you would sprint down 20 yards you literally have to do a somersault mid-run 
get up, do another somersault, sprint all the way back. And we were doing races like this, like all sorts of crazy stuff that you would never expect in a million years that you'd be doing. And I mean, they, they made the best of it. I think that's kind of what like had the group kind of gel the most, everyone kind of having fun with it and, and kind of embracing the times where it sucked. But like, I mean, other than that, like we, we didn't have it too hard. My, like my year, I mean, I mean, as today's society, like you can't do too much on, on kids nowadays or else they'll be calling to their parents and their parents will be calling to the organization and someone will be getting in trouble. So I'm sure they probably had to ease back a little bit as, uh, as the times grow on. So, so you kind of touched on it earlier. I just want to talk about your decision going to Saginaw. You said you want to put yourself in the best position to be drafted as high as possible, but like, what, was there any other factors going to that decision? Obviously kind of leaving your your dream school to play at and go there and, and yeah, like giving up that, that NCAA education and, and stuff. So what was that decision like for you? It was tough. I think that was like the biggest like concern for me was like missing out on playing for Michigan. Like when I called and said I was going to the OHL to them, like obviously they were disappointed. And like, that was probably one of the tougher calls I've ever had to make. Cause it's like the school you've dreamed about going to since you've been five years old, going to the Yost. And like the history they have in that organization in that rink and and like calling them and saying, Yeah, sorry, like I'm going to the <laughs> I think it's a little little awkward, but whatever. And I think that was like the big thing is like you're missing out on that like atmosphere, that student section. Like you're that rink's packed every game with five thousand students in one section. Like and it doesn't get much better than that. And so that was probably the most difficult part. Like but other than that, I think you got to look at the bigger picture and obviously at the end of the day, I'm truly blessed to have went to Saginaw and I was treated very well and obviously uh, performed well. And, and uh, obviously I'm at where I am now without them. So. And uh, I'm just curious how your family kind of took that decision. Cause maybe were they preaching like schools the route they you, you should go and all that. Oh, my grandpa, like <laughs> my grandpa was the biggest Michigan fan ever. So like he didn't talk to me for a few weeks. He was so pissed at me. Like, <laughs> but like, other than, my dad played college he's like listen at the end of the day whatever you want to do it's your decision and like I know you're 17 at the time and you're making a big decision but you at that point you kind of know what you want to do and you want to do this for as long as you can and and going to the OHL and and that style of game really suited me so that's why the decision came it was pretty easy so yeah and then you find yourself obviously filtering in Saginaw might I add Jenks was a fourth overall pick in the 2000 draft fully committed to Michigan and I know we had drinks on a few weeks ago and he talked about being a ballsy GM and stuff. And that was kind of like his first okay. flash. Like he, he took you and then he took Bodie and it, it was just like kind of crazy, like two committed guys, guys who are never going to show up in a million years. And then sure enough, you both end up there, but you go into your first year in the OHL second year at juniors and you had 44 points that season. How did you think that season went overall for you? Were you happy with your performance? Do you think you could have done more or where were you at? Um, kind of like mixed mixed emotions on it like I started off so poorly of that season like I totally came into it thinking not going to be easy but you're going to get all the opportunity in the world like what are you going to make of it and just like I didn't score my first 10 games so like that was like the first like the start of the season was just like all right here we go like (laughs) gotta try and get out of a slump now and and I think after that first 10 games is where I really took off like I think I had I don't know probably two points in those first 10 games. And, and then I think after that, 
is kind of how the rest is history. But he started to kind of, you would know, like once you score and you start scoring that league, it's more of a confidence thing. So obviously I think we got swept in the first round to Sue that year. They were a freaking wagon. But uh, I mean, other than that, I think you got to take everything with a grain of salt and, and you kind of look back at it and obviously you want to do better, but you did what you did and, and you can't, you can't harp too much in the past and you're just kind of all about what you got to do ahead of you. So. Yeah, exactly. Might I add, you guys actually got ruined by the suit. That was the year they were going like between the legs, they were doing the mission and it was just a debacle. eh? So what, what, what was going through your head when that was going on the ice? It was so, it was so embarrassing. Like, we're like fired up. We're on Sportsnet. We're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, let's try and get a game on them or something. And we go into the suit. It may have been, I think it was the first game when it just like, they just absolutely embarrassed us. Like, yeah, Hayton going between the legs and how to still doing the Michigan. And I'm sitting on the bench like, wow, we're going to be on highlight reels for the next month. <laughs> like, and this is so embarrassing. You're just like, I think we lost our first game. I think it was like, te- like, it may have been close to 10 one. It was bad. Like we, they absolutely gave it to us on live TV. So it was, it was something like you don't ever want to remember, but heck at that point, you might as well just give them a little bit of kudos and kind of go from, I don't know how they lost that year, but good for Hamilton. on beating those guys. And I'm going to throw in though, we ended up getting them. I think, didn't we beat them 10 one in round two in the year after though? yeah so we got him back yeah that was that was why one of the most fun years in terms of like like guys that we had like everyone was there to win everyone was there to have fun like our old ragers down like everyone was just great guys and like I think that was probably one of the closest locker rooms that year if not the year after where we kind of got shafted obviously with the season um getting canceled but like you were there, you know, like that group was so tight and everyone, there wasn't like a negative guy in that locker room. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's what made that group so special. And we've talked about it so many times on this podcast now, and I know we're going to dig back into it in a, in a little bit, but that, that year was your NHL draft or your first year in the Owen. Did you find yourself as a highly touted guy coming in the league? Did you find yourself checking the rankings and see where people had you or maybe where you might go? Yeah, a little bit. You kind of you're looking throughout the year because obviously your goal is to get drafted as high as you can. Like everyone wants to be a first rounder, whether if that's realistic or not, that's what you're looking looking to get. And and like when you see the, all these rankings come out, it the kind of fuels you to want to do better. And and you're looking at it, and and I think honestly going into the the draft, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, like you think you have an idea, but you generally have no idea, like. <laughs> you have no idea what these NHL scouts are thinking. Like really the people that make the mock drafts, they have no, like, I mean, maybe the first round because all those guys are pretty highly touted and they know from where they're going to go, but no one really knows where they're going to get drafted to. It's not like the OHL where you've been talking to these guys for months and you're like, I know a Saginaw spirit are picking me at four. Like that's just not the case. So you're just, you're just hoping to draft it at the end of the day and, and to whoever it may be, whatever it may be, I think it's it's definitely an honor to get drafted. So I think that's all you can kind of think about there. It's interesting you said that. Well, first of all, I just want to mention you were a fifth-round pick to the Islanders that year. And, I mean, you talk about not knowing where you're going to go or anything. I'm curious, did you have, like, any good conversations with the Islanders or have any sort of feeling that it could have been them? Honestly, no. Like, that was probably 
like one of the most like subtle discussions I had with at the uh, at the combine, and like it was a pretty loose conversation. Um, like the same guy, the director of player personnel, is still with us at the uh, with New York, and it was a pretty loose conversation. Just kind of went in there and got to know me and and everything like that, and didn't have any idea they were going to be picking me and until my name was called. So. Tell us about that, like the moment you were picked and even just your draft day, those two days, like how to go and where was it? Uh, it was in Dallas. So like day one, I was thinking about going and I was like, ah, like my whole family was there and we only had like, and then you only on day one, you could only have tickets for so many. And I was like, ah, whatever. Like if I get drafted in the first round without me knowing, like I'll be absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> and, uh, so like we went out to Top Golf on the first day. We just watched the drafts there with the whole family, and and uh, then the next day came around and had no idea where I was gonna go. Like I was hoping maybe like third round, kind of be like from like the talks with my agents and stuff like that. And and I just remember being so flustered. Like third round's over. And it's like okay, like all right, whatever, not a big deal. Hopefully we'll get going here soon. Fourth round ends. I'm like, at this point, I'm flustered. Like, I remember my, uh, like, one of my best friends was watching the draft, and and they're always scanning the crowd, and you could just see me and my dad's like sitting right next to each other, just faces red, like not happy. And I remember at one point, I was talking to my brother, and my brother's like, "You can leave. I'll sit right here. I'll take the drink." Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. And so, I mean, honestly, when I got drafted, like, and my name was called. I honestly blacked out. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I just remember standing up and I just remember being in the press room. Because it's one of those things where you hug your family members. I couldn't even tell you who I hugged. And I head down the stairs. And after that, it's like, next thing you know, you're getting your pictures taken and stuff like that. Because it's something you've been dreaming of since you've been five years old to get drafted and have your name called on draft night. And so to ever have that is... uh, it's pretty special, and honestly, I couldn't uh, I couldn't be happier with where I'm at. And, and honestly, um, had a good year there this year, and uh, very fortunate, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm. I just want to point out, um, and cards, you can chime in on this, but a trend I've noticed on this podcast is guys getting drafted a lot later than they've been told by their agents or teams or whatever. And you know, cards, he went through it last year, not getting drafted, though he was, I'm sure, told by everyone he would, and like. I'm just curious, Cards, do you want to comment on that? Like, everyone's kind of said, oh, my agent's telling me this, and, you know, I'm sitting five more rounds. And, like, what do you think about that? The weird the weird thing for me is, like, it, it's – we have seen that, but you can also see it the other way. Like, Delandria, like, he yeah. came on – like, I remember, Jenks, the central scouting that year, Delandria was 25, no? And you were 26 at the end of the year? Something like that? I think I was one ahead of him. Okay. Taking it was either like I think maybe midterm rankings I was like 24 he was 25 and I think I ended up maybe at the end of the year I was 26 he was 25 and I remember he went in the first round and we're all like sitting like looking at each other and I'm like holy shit am I about to get drafted in the first round and like like no chance so like it was crazy I know absolutely it's 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 honestly like we said like nobody really knows like where anyone's going to go except the people that are making the picks. So that's the, that's like the exciting thing, but like the stressful thing at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's another case rascal where we see a guy 
who doesn't know where he's going to go really, or Delhi, like a guy who's rated lower and then goes way higher. And then Jank's here. And then we have a guy like Millman who came on the pod. He said he didn't know if he was going to go. Sure enough, he goes in the fourth round. So I, I think we've seen trends both ways, but all in all, like, like Jank's just said, it really doesn't matter what anybody says. It only matters about that guy who's calling in that pick. So at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. But I, I think that, pretty much covers it like there we've seen more though that have gone later than what they thought it's one of those things too where like you're like you're thinking of this team and you have a really good conversation with this team and there was one in particular i'm not going to say who but like had like such a great interview with them like great like kind of vibes coming from them and and i remember everyone was wanting them to draft like defensemen to start off their like start off their draft because they had a bunch of picks they had two first rounders and a bunch of second rounders and of course, their first two first round picks were forwards. And after that, I'm like, ah, there's no chance of going there. It's like they, they got their forwards early, so they're going probably going to pick D here in the second round. So it's like one of those things where, like we keep saying, like nobody knows. I think that's kind of the exciting thing about it. So, and Jenks didn't want to name the team, but I'm pretty sure if you go look at the draft now, you can figure that one out <laughs> with two first round forward picks. But, uh, <laughs> After that year, you go back to SAG, and this is the first time I meet you, and we, we go to camp together. Obviously, you're coming back um, looking great after show camp, everything like that, and you come back into that season. You get 59 points. You're more in a key role on that team. So what? And like you said, touch it, such a tight group there. So that year for you personally, before we get into the team success, what, what were your thoughts on that year? Honestly, it was just one of those things where – like, great, you got drafted. So, like, now it's time to go and kind of, like, prove your worth and, like, prove that you want to sign there and they should sign you. And any player will tell you, like, I think the next year after you get drafted is probably the most important because at that point now you're just setting the standard of, like, what kind of player you are and and kind of what this team's going to get. So I think that was kind of my mentality going into it is, is what can I do for myself to help the team have success. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can kind of look for. Cause you look at these teams like Hamilton when they won it, like there wasn't any, I mean, obviously they had some great players on the team, but like a lot of players signed either a deals or NHL deals after winning that championship. Cause like all these teams at the end of the day want winners. And like, that's the big thing. And it's like, if you win, like these teams are looking at you and, and they want that inside their organization. So that was kind of my big focus going into that year, just winning. So, And I remember that year, actually, because we've talked about, like, Fats lighting it up in game one and stuff. And, Jenks, you were – you had got an extended camp that year. And everyone was very kind of like, wow, Jenks is doing really well at camp because you came in with us. We had the little tournament there in Kitchener or whatever. And then you go, you go to New York and it seems like you're there forever and you just kept staying and staying and keep moving on. So what was that first camp like for you when you were just kept extending your stay there? It was just honestly, like, I remember being there with Bodie and like kind of experiencing, experiencing that like together and, and just kind of getting that sense of like what it's going to take to get to the next level and, and like seeing how good these guys actually are, like, and I know, like, this doesn't mean, like, much. Like, I'm not, like, trying to say guys aren't good at the next level. But, like, the skill level, like, man, like, skill level is very similar. Like, from another, whether you're 18 and this guy's 30. But it's it's the strength and it's the overall, um, trying to think of the word, like, confidence and experience. Like, 
these guys are so smart. That's what makes them so good. And that's having that experience and being so smart and being so good at what they do. And, and everyone at the next level, next, next level has a role. And like, you see it when you're there. And I think that was kind of like the cool thing to experience to just like what all these guys do so well to keep them there in the NHL for, for however many long, however many years they're there for. And then I think that was kind of the big thing I took from that first, uh, that first camp and being there for a little while. Yeah. And you come back and then obviously have a, yourself a pretty good year there in SAG with, with all of us there and we go on a run. So we've heard from numerous guys, probably maybe six, seven, eight or nine, including Laz and drinks. But tell us about that year personally, or on a team standpoint for you, what, what it was like being in that locker room and being around that group every day. It was good. I think like starting off the year, we were, we were like projected to be so good and we started off not not great. And were you in junior A? Yeah, I, I went down for a bit. Um, once you came back, got the boot for a bit. <laughs> so uh, you kind of sewered me there. But, yeah, no, I was down. And then once you guys got me back, then obviously we started winning, which makes sense, right? So Yeah, bring it in the locker room, guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, uh, I remember when we first – oh, yeah, that's right, because you and Lenny had went down, and then as soon as – the whole switch of coaching change you guys were right back up and and with us and then you started talking and being that looked like he was 12 years old on the ice freaking scoring two goals a game but no yeah they uh it was awesome I think you kind of could see how the guys rallied around each other when there was that coaching change and how we rallied around Laz and and drinks and I think that was the big thing going into that because honestly I think going into the trade deadline like I think we were kind of middle of the pack, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And we went on like a heater, like cost went on. Like, and, and it was honestly too, I think we were pretty limited numbers because cost went out to uh world J's uh, tryouts. And then we had a bunch of injuries. And for some reason, like the guys just rallied around each other. And like, we went off during that time period and that kind of um, made the decision to go for it with getting tipper and clowder and, and who else? Is those the only two we picked up Murr. Oh yeah, picked up Murr and uh can't forget him. And uh no, but we picked up those three guys and I think that was kind of like the tipping point of like like Laz and Drink saying, All right, we can like we can win this freaking thing. So like we did that and it was good. And then I think ever since they came in, like Clowder's a beauty, Tipper, great guy, and then and then Murr is just an absolute beauty and and honestly those three guys you couldn't couldn't have came into a better locker room and and uh a lot of times maybe you see like guys coming in and the locker room gets a little like shaky but they fit in so well and they were such great guys and, and I think that kind of helped out as we were able to gel right away and continued winning games when they were there so I think that uh that made it such a fun year just winning and, and uh making the run that we did yeah it was pretty special and I know We'd always be at the movies too, and you'd uh, you'd be the first one there, always dialed in at the movies. And you uh, you're you're a big are you a Marvel guy or, or what is it? You you love one of them, don't you? Oh, me and Buzzy are absolutely all we're all over the Marvel stuff. We love that. Okay, yeah. So I remember when the Marvel movie came out, these guys are losing it, Rask. They're like, <laughs> Hey, everyone's gotta be there. They're there like an hour before they got their popcorn sitting there. I'm like, What's the big deal? But there's this is, this, is the, this is the new Marvel movie. And I'm like, Oh, okay, I guess I'm missing something here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Guys are such goofs about that. And and we actually had a pretty big uh like Goldie, like Gator, he's a big Marvel goof. Like we had such a big like little 
little fan club, all that stuff. So whenever there was a Marvel, we're having a team movie, like automatic and like, and no, those were, those were always good. Cause I think that was the big thing. Like our whole team would like be together after most every single practice or whatever. Like, I think that's what made us so close. That was pretty awesome. And we went golfing so much during the season too, which was pretty cool. We got lucky enough too with our owners would always hook us up with free rounds and stuff. So we were pretty fortunate there, but yeah, Jenks is a good player too, I might add. Um, so if me and Rask ever make it down to the States, we might have to throw him in a showbound showdown here. Um, oh yeah. I like that. Is yeah. That you guys can get on YouTube here. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to pop off here soon in Canada. We got fats coming on next week, but you could, uh, Jenks is definitely a good player. So he's one to watch out for Rask. I've, I've seen right. him play a few times. I've seen some legit rounds out of him. You got to take uh, on me. Whenever you guys come down here, come on yeah. down. For sure. Yeah. The open, the invites out there now. So once the borders are open, me and Rask will have to take a little trip. How's Rask? You're a stick card. Do you how's Rask? I, I was, I think we're, rec- we're recording this now before me and Cardi record the rest of the episode. So I think I will talk about this already as the listeners are listening to this, but I just shot an 89 yesterday, cracked 90 for the first time in my <laughs> life. So you know what? I'll take it. It's funny because I rarely ever shoot under a hundred, but I've been putting in the work oh, playing like, you know, like two, three times a week and going to the range like two, three times a week. And now I'm under 90. So this cards give lessons here. Like you're going to have to start charging him he, an he's hour. He's been teaching me, giving me some tips. When we went out a couple weeks ago, he was teaching me some, some putting lessons and stuff. Yeah. Dude, that's thing. If you can putt, man, you're golden. Yeah. He needs some work though, Jenks, for sure. And it, it's a work in progress for him, but it, we got to put the work in if we're going to take you and buzz. So we, we got to do it. He looks like Gator on the course. Let's put it that oh. way. Man, Gator shot, I think, a 140 the last time I played 18 with him. Like, bad. Okay, don't insult me that much, Cards. He went 70 on both nines, and it was like, oh. Like, it's at the point where, like, dude, just throw it up the fairway if you have to. Like, <laughs> And yeah. honestly, it was 140, and we didn't even count the balls that he missed. So, like, we didn't count the whips. We just counted, like, the, the duffs and everything like that. It was bad. <laughs> That's embarrassing. We might have to have Gator on just to, to give a golf lesson to the people and show them how to hit the ball around a bit. So I just have one quick question about that year in Saginaw, um, that third year where you guys went on that run. I remember when Laz was on the podcast, he was saying when he first got the job, it was like the day or the next day that Ivan had like a meltdown and <laughs> was like hiding in the room and wanted to fly home. And stuff. I'm curious, he, Laz didn't say or didn't remember what it was. Do you know what that was? Did he say like it was me like that started it? No, he didn't. He doesn't know <laughs> what happened. <laughs> yes. Like, so it was me and Bodie were kind of like the two, I don't, I don't want to say instigators. Like, so what had happened was like, we were doing the shooting drill and I go down, I shoot it. And like, I hit him in like the nuts. Like I didn't mean to, I was trying to go five pole. It must've hit him like perfectly like square on. And like, he flips out, like he goes crazy. So like I'm in the corner and all of a sudden I see a blocker coming over my shoulder. I'm like, Oh, like what's going on here? And then all of a sudden now we see a stick coming that way. <laughs> and this guy's like absolutely going bananas. Like, and like we talk about it with Ivan now and it's kind of all like, we all laugh about it now, but like, he's going bananas. I'm like what is going on? And like, he just like storming off the ice. And all of a sudden I see Bodie just absolutely hucking a stick into the freaking stands, like hucking his blocker in the stands and I'm just sitting there like, oh, my, like trying to put together what just happened. And also he's just like, yeah, like he said, like that's kind of what started it. And like just went in the locker room and 
And yeah, he did not want to be there for that short time. We had to have a little, uh, <laughs> little family. So, funny. so Laz was like, it's my first day getting the job and our best goalie. Like he wants to fly back home to Russia. Yeah. Like I'm, we have a three and three coming up. Like what's going on? Like that's the funniest thing that it was you. I didn't even know it was you. That's yeah. hilarious. It was one of those things where like, it's just like a freak. Like you didn't mean to do it. And all of a sudden, like you just got stuff being thrown at you and he's charging over to the corner. Like what is the <laughs> I think the most, I think the funniest part about that was just like, like you talked to Bodie. I don't know if he shared any stories, but Bodie is just so like laid back and like, and all of a sudden you just see him like just hucking his stuff into the stands and I'm like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is just adding fuel to the fire for this one. But no, that was definitely uh, a pretty hilarious moment. That's for sure. Dude. And I'm going to throw in here too, Rask. Um, so like Lenny, who our backup was that year and Lenny's obviously a sick goal. He's going to be a high pick. We'll have to get him on after the draft. Um, but yeah, he, so he kind of, I think he kind of picked it. He, he might've been a little bit of a hothead before he, he get a little bit mad. Jank's knows, but I think he picked up on some of Ivan's stuff because like we were like playing like the, maybe this would have been our second year. So the year, the COVID year and uh, Lenny would always complain. He'd be like, Oh, my hand hurts. Don't shoot at my glove. Everyone starts ripping right at his glove hand. He's catching him. He's catching him. He's losing it. So then he starts throwing his gear around the ice. So now we, we just Saginaw breeds goalies to throw gear around the ice and just lose it on their guys. Just hotheads. Just hotheads. I remember like Lenny is the tough hit. Like he, I remember that was, yeah, it would have been my fourth year. Lenny is, we're playing London and I got, and I think we're getting, I think we're getting waxed at this point. I think it's probably like four one, the game's over. And I got, we got Lenny with his helmet off already going, trying to go down and go the other goalie. And like, <laughs> he's getting food and this guy's sitting here like that, like going to the crowd. <laughs> I'm like, this is hilarious. like, and who would think it's your, it's your technically you're pretty much your first year you're playing in the OHL and like, and that's how you know he's going to be a good goalie. He's got so much confidence just to be doing that and, and doing some of the stuff he does. He's going to be a stud, that's for sure. Yeah, he's got the jam for sure. Oh, yeah. He's not short of the jam, that's for sure. <laughs> so um, I do want to talk about Bridgeport. We haven't talked about it yet. You played the last year in the AHL, first professional season. So can you just tell us like how, uh, how you found the adjustment to the AHL and kind of the lifestyle being a pro athlete? Yeah, I think, honestly, the lifestyle is going to be different next year. You're going to get more of that taste because – this year, we were honestly, we were to the rink and back just about every day because of COVID. We'd have to go in. Even on our day off, we'd go in, test, head back to the house. Like, you couldn't do much, and you're you're basically in a little bubble. But I think in terms of, like, the hockey aspect, I think the adjustment in terms of, like, this, I don't even necessarily want to say, like, the speed, but just, like, the strength and how everything is so, like, crisp and so sharp. I think that's the big adjustment of, you don't have time for mistakes at the next level. And I think that's the big adjustment for sure. I think if you make a mistake in the OHL, like you can, you can slide by in a few of them, obviously to the, to the high end guys, they're going to make you pay for it. But like at the next level, if you're making mistakes, like you're going to pay for it and you probably won't play the rest of the game. So, and it's one of those things where it, it was so fun because we had such a great group of guys that I made the transition like so much easier and, and I think that was kind of the good thing going into the year is, is how good our older guys were to like the younger guys and the rookies. So uh, I'm curious. Cause like in the OHL practicing, it's pretty fun. Like not all the time, but you get to play games and like mess around and practice a bit. What, what's it like practicing in the AHL? Are you guys still, you know, having fun or is it like, this is business now? A little bit of both. I think it's one of those things where 
everyone wants to have fun, but like when it's time to dial it in, it's like, all right. And, uh, but no, other than that, I think everyone just tries to keep it as loose as possible. But like I said, when it's right on its go time, like you gotta be ready to go. And, and like, you notice like the battling, cause you're battling to play each and every night basically. So like when you're in practice, you're going into corners where in junior, like if you know you're playing the next night, like, Oh, like, I mean, I try and run through this guy, but I mean, in practice, like guys are not like trying to hurt people while everyone's finishing checks and like doing things the right way, which they should be. So I think that was definitely the, the, the fun thing to experience is how everyone goes and practice and everything like that and how sharp everything needs to be or else you'll be, uh, you'll be doing it for a while. Okay. That's interesting about the hitting. I, I didn't even think about that, but, uh, just, do you have any like funny memories or stories or anything notable that kind of went on from that season? Um, honestly, like not too much. I was so short. We played, we played 12 games or not 12 games. We played 24 games and I was hurt for a good portion of it. Like I think I was out for like six weeks, somewhere around there. I separated my shoulder. And, and so like, there was like a good chunk of time where I wasn't really like around the guys. Like I think cards knows me well enough where like, I like to be in the locker room and like, <laughs> and shoot the shit. So like, I remember I would, I'd stay after practice after I'm done with my therapy and like, I got the older guys saying, like, why aren't you home? Like, you should be home by now. Because, like, other guys that were hurt, they would do their stuff and get out of there. I'm like, hey, I just want to talk to the guys. Like, <laughs> like, I got nothing better to do. I'm going home and sitting on my couch all day because we can't do anything. So, but other than that, like, they're – because we couldn't do anything outside of the rink and everything like that, it was a pretty, pretty like, straightforward year. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff we could do and um, and anything I can think of off the top of my head, but – that's really uh, really wasn't too much going on this year. Hopefully next year we get to uh, you know be able to do some stuff and kind of have a little bit of fun outside of the rink. And uh, that's Jenks to a T because he hurt his knee. It was it was your knee, right? In SAG. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He hurt his knee in SAG, and I'd I'd come to the rink from probably I'd pro- I'd come from school. I'd get there around noon, practice around two or something, twelve fifteen. I'd get there, eat lunch or whatever. Jenks would be there. He'd be there already, just chilling in the trainer's room, whatever. And then I'd, I'd do practice. He'd sit up in the crowd, just hang out on his own, talk to the boys, talk to whoever's there. And then we'd come off. We'd do our workout. Jenks is still hanging out, just talking to anybody. He's in the trainer's room again, just chilling. And then I go to the lounge, play a few games of ping pong. Jenks has got the ping pong going. And then I'm ready to leave. And I'm like, holy, I've had a long day here at the rink. And I've, I've done all this and this. And I've been here for five hours. And Jenks is like, still just motoring around the room and just hanging out with everyone. I'm like, dude, like this guy's insane. Everyone, I think we'd say that to you in SAG too. We're like, what are you doing, man? Just go home. And you're like, I got nothing to do at home. I might as well be here. Oh, and honestly, that's the most fun. That's the most fun is just being around the boys. And, and uh, I don't know if at the time I was number one in the world in ping pong. So I could still play. I could still play. My mobility wasn't great, but I was still going. No, but uh like you said, it's just you got to kind of make the most out of it. And I couldn't drive either because I couldn't bend my legs. So, like, and Buzzy, I know Buzzy would always get choked at me because, like, he's wanting to leave. That guy's the the guy that wants to be the first one out of the rink every day, like, because he gets his lift and everything before. And he's he's in there. I'm still – I still got my full gear on. He's already showered up and ready to go. And he's yelling at me to get going. I'm like, hey, I got ping pong play after this, man. Like, <laughs> no. No, but he was – he was a good roommate. He took that. Uh, he took that well. It was uh, that was kind of like our little inside thing. He probably wanted to lead my ass at the rink numerous times. I'm sure. 
Yeah, I, I don't blame him for how long you were there. I, I like to get out of it <laughs> after my workout too. But um, we will get into some fan questions here. Um, we obviously, we get an overwhelming amount pretty much every week. So first one we always start with is stick and specs. Um, I'm kind of like testing out everything right now this summer. So like right now, like this past year, I used uh, the trigger and then I had a P28 with, 75 flex i know it's a little low but i like to get get the most out of my shot with not having to put too much uh pressure so it's quicker but um this summer i'm trying out um the trigger as well i'm going up in flex to 80 and then uh trying out the p90 so see better for face-offs and stuff like that so <laughs> gotta think of yeah p90 is what i use so it's just better for all-around players i could tell you that for free yeah nah. Did the uh, next one, did you buy anything special or anything big when you signed your first show deal? Man, I honestly didn't. I'm kind of, I'm kind of frugal. I'm pretty, I don't want to say I'm cheap, but like I like to save my money and, and kind of put it away and invest it. But, uh, but no, I think honestly, the only thing that I got was, um, was like a spider. I got the new spider putter and that was really about it. I was thinking about the kind of like that. I mean, I got new irons that year right before I signed anyways, but I got the new spider putter and I actually bent it after three weeks of having it. And I was, I was one under after the turn and I was like, Oh, like we're setting a PR today. Like we're like, couldn't hit a bad shot. And man, back nine, I couldn't even hit a good shot. Like every shot was horrible. Like I'm rolling up to the green and like, I just like, and it was a moderate toss. Like I'm not like yardy in my putter across the green, but I like give it a moderate toss. And after just a horrible chip shot where like you dub it and then you got to go 10 feet up to it and like, <laughs> and like kind of embarrass yourself and hit it again, but go to pick it up to go putt. And I'm like, just a total like left turn on my putter. I'm like, Oh, great. No so like I'm calling, I'm calling the store trying to make up any excuse I can to try and get this like sent back and get another one. And they're like not giving it. And I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Luckily they were able to go and bend it back. So we're, we're all right there. All right, you're laughing. The only the only place you want to spend your money is on a Levi's Big Breakfast, so I know you love that. You want to know what's funny is like I, me and Buzzy talk about going up to because uh, we go to Soaring Eagle every once in a while still, and we don't mind our trips there. Like <laughs> we don't mind our trips out there, and like and like man, every time we go up there, we're like we want to stop at Levi's, and like man, even now if I go to a Leo's here, like I'm ordering the classic four eggs and all the meats, like. And you have to, because like, there's nothing better than all Levi's big breakfast. So no, you can't. You can't beat it. no, you can't. And and we go, I was, I was pretty in there too. Janks would always go before every game. I'm pretty sure. But I, I was in there like periodically I'd get, I'd actually be there most times too. But, uh, and then I might add Janks is a huge soaring Eagle enthusiast. So just free, <laughs> ad, free, uh, free ad for the soaring Eagle. That's the casino there. Just, uh, outside of Saginaw. Janks, uh, what do you what do you say? Are you up or down with the Eagle? Um, I'd definitely say I'm up. Me and Buzzy, we haven't been there heck in probably over a year. But man, my last year, me and Buzzy went like the first couple months, we went on a heater. Like we were it was the hottest I've ever been in, like in the casino. Like we couldn't lose. Like then we went to Canada. We went to like the when we were in uh where were we at? Miss Aga there. Um What's right next to Toronto? That'd be Missy. Niagara, the boys went too, I think. Okay. Well, the Niagara one, we didn't really like go because we had a kind of like a quick night and oh, we went yeah. to right. that haunted 
went to that haunted house and stuff like that. And, uh, but no, we, we went to like the one, we had a night off in uh, Missy, I believe. We went to the Toronto one and like, that was the most, it was absurd. Like I didn't lose that night. Like, and like that, the Toronto one, it's $25 minimum. And you know me, like I'm, I'm hanging out at the old $5 table usually. And like, <laughs> they're playing $25 minimum. I'm like, gosh, I hope I don't lose. And that was my best night. And like, that was all that year. So we, uh, we definitely got to be up there. That's for sure. We don't. Uh, and then Antro came in and once the Antro came in, I had to stop going with that guy because everyone would lose when he'd go. So <laughs> it's right. Okay. Antro is the bad luck. So it's, it's funny the, the heaters at the casino, but I know our, our partners at Gavin hockey, well, specialists might not think that's the best investment, but uh, Gavin hockey, well, specialists believe that your goals matter after hundreds of early morning practices and countless hours on the ice or in the gym, you truly earned your success and you deserve to enjoy it. For over 20 years, the team at Gavin has assisted professional hockey players with setting goals and more importantly, providing them with a game plan to achieve them. Whether it's a house, a car, a cottage, or even supporting your family or wanting some extra money for the casino, it's all within reach when you partner with a pro and you can check them out at gavingroup.ca. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll hop back into the fan questions there. Definitely uh, <laughs> don't don't blow all your signing bonus at, uh, yeah. at the Spring Eagle, but... No, no, yeah. I honestly, I honestly don't even think I've been since since I've signed. So well, you're up money, so it's fine. You're good. Yeah. You want to know what's funny is like every year I would use that money to buy Christmas presents for the whole family. So it was like we were fine. That was <laughs> besides shell source of income. That's what would go. That's what it would go into. So you're, you're still laughing. You're you're all right there. But um, if uh, if you could choose any two current NHL players to be on your line, who would they be? I feel like you got to go with like. I feel like Crosby and McDavid, like you have to like Crosby, like my idol growing up. And then McDavid's just a stud. So <laughs> imagine playing with those two guys. That would be uh, pretty, pretty lethal to be honest with you. That'd be pretty electric. Yeah. No doubt about that one. And then uh, last one here we got, uh, what do you think you need to work on in the AHL to make your jump to the NHL one day? I think just the overall, like aspect of every game. I think you notice how you watch these guys in playoffs and like how they limit their mistakes. And I think you see how good every guy is a 200 foot game. And I think myself personally, just continuing to get uh, just faster and stronger. I think that uh, that's kind of key for me and, and kind of making that jump and obviously to be able to play in the NHL. So I think that's my biggest goal moving into this summer and going into next year. So. Well, um, I mean, that kind of does it for, for what we have. I do want to say for you coming on, we're going to be sending you a beautiful Axel watch and you can rock it with your, uh, with your suits heading into games looking good. So that's kind of our appreciation from our sponsor, Axel Watches. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all for me. I'll send it over to you, Cards, but I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun talking to you. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, guys, I mean, that was definitely rass. It was great meeting you and great talking to you. And yeah, no, Jenks pleasure having you on as always always a good chat and uh i know borders are opening up soon so i think i might be making a trip down to michigan and uh we'll definitely have to meet up and maybe we'll bring Rass along for that golf game but no always a pleasure and really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today yeah absolutely thanks fellas i appreciate it me and buzz will uh, get you guys on the course let's do it all right and uh really appreciate jenks coming on um as you said before the episode, great speaker and just good to catch up with him and uh, hear about his career. He's kind of been on a uh, on a different path, similar to Jones. He kind of been all over the map, but uh, seems to have found his home in Bridgeport and hopefully be with the Islanders soon. Uh, what were your thoughts on the interview, Rask? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, awesome talking to him. He's a nice guy. 
Um, and I just want to say for the listeners who want to be looking as good as Blade Jenkins, you can also go to axlewatch.com, use the code AX underscore showbound, and you can get 15% off on an Axel Watch and you'll be looking good. Um, but yeah, a couple of things we just want to touch on at the back here. Um, OHL announced today, Tuesday, as we record the, the regular season schedule starting, I think, October 7th. And uh, some excitement, I guess, for you, Cards, that you can you know have some promise of a season now. Yeah, something to look forward to for sure. A date set only 100 days away. I saw some posts Barry put up today. So uh, home opener against Niagara on the October 7th. So I'm just pumped to see everyone back at the uh, arena. And I hope there's fans. There should be fans. Um, but who knows? So we'll keep our fingers crossed. I hope to see all the Barry fans in attendance there. But irregardless of that, just super excited to get back on the ice uh, put a whooping on Niagara, hopefully. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, and not just the Barry fans we want to see in the ring, but let's get the showbound fans over, uh, over to the games and everyone go annoy Cardsy after the game, like line up and ask to meet Cardsy after games. Yeah. Um, please master me. That's what I want. Especially if we lose big too, then really get on me. Cause I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and the NHL draft is coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, a big one. And, uh, our boy Brant Clark and friend of the show is uh, is up there for uh, among the top picks. Where do you think he's going to go? I think Clarky will be a top five pick. I mean, New Jersey's picking four. Um, they drafted his brother, but there's also Luke Hughes is up there too, and they obviously have Jack and the system. Um, yeah, I see Clarky being a top five pick, no later than ten, uh, top ten. I don't see him falling out of like the top seven or eight anyway. Um, and as we know, he's a great player, so. There's no reason he shouldn't. Uh, when, when's the you, expansion draft? Sorry, it's. I think it's just before. I have no idea to be honest. <laughs> I, <haven't, laughs> I honestly, I'm not even gonna lie and make a guess. I think it's. I don't know. I'm not even gonna say. I have no idea. July 21st. So that's also coming up, and uh, yeah, we'll see how they're looking, and then they'll they'll know what their needs are before the draft, and the Kraken are probably gonna be looking for a 200 foot player stud forward like Ethan Cardwell to maybe fill that last uh, couple spots that need to be filled. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Yeah. You never know. Keep an eye on draft. day. we'll see. It could be a crack show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, that just about does it card. Anything you, uh, you want to add here for listeners or you just want to take it away? No, I'll get the regular outro going. Uh, just enjoy Canada day. Everybody stay safe. Have a great weekend. And a hey, 4th of July for our American listeners coming up. Come on. Me too. I'm American, um, yeah. as you know. So I'll be celebrating. I think it's on Sunday and, uh, yeah, Thursday for, uh, for us Canadians. So enjoy both those holidays. Take care. And uh, we'll see you guys back next Wednesday with another banger of an episode. So stay tuned.